1: Welcome to the Feed for Service Dentist podcast, Dr. Sunny Spirit. Today's episode is really interesting. We have Trey Tepichin. He's from Cloud Dentistry. Cloud Dentistry is going to be a sponsor of this show, this episode, and it is a absolute solution to a problem. You have a problem with staffing, you have a problem with um, your team and openings and people calling off and you have gaps and uh, especially your clinical staff, your hygiene, your, your dental assistants. And I'm sure they have the same thing for the business administration. They have a platform where you create a profile. The potential employees create a profile. and You can hire them on short term, long term, immediate. You can hire them permanent afterwards. It's called cloud dentistry, It may be popular in your area because there are some markets, especially in Texas, Denver, Atlanta are some of their biggest markets. It's a one in three dental offices are, are in this plan, and to see it in action, it's amazing. Today, Feed for Service Dentist Podcast, as always, is brought to you from Kettenbach, Kettenbach Dental. They have a new product called Vesalis Fill and Flow. It's a light cured nano hybrid, highly filled at over 80%, high polishability and a very high durability and strength makes it an ideal composite for all your anterior and posterior restorative needs. Easy select shade guide system can't go wrong and remember your costs are lower with Kattenbach, available direct to your office with no middleman costs. To learn more or order simply contact your local Kattenbach rep or call 877-532-2123 or kettenbachdental.us on the web. Enjoy the show, everybody. Like it, subscribe it, share it with your friends. If you don't like it, contact me. Give me some ideas on what you'd like to hear or see from us. Enjoy the show, everybody. Thanks a million.
2: My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe that the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe that the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first and yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door, and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns, and I am a fee for service dentist. This is the fee for service Dentist podcast, and these are our stories. Welcome
1: to the Feed-for-Service Dentist podcast, Dr. Sonny Spira. Today, I have a really interesting vest with a phenomenal um, business model that I think is starting to really take hold of a lot of different parts of the United States, and it's only going to get bigger. It's, it's, You You may have heard of it. I know Dan Alman. I reached out to, and I know that he actually uses it. It's a product called Cloud Dentistry. It's a really innovative way to staff your office, hire people, and, and it's very user-friendly, and it's really – I don't want to say invading, but it's really got a nice market share in a lot of different places. And we're going to talk to the CEO and founder. His name is Trey Tepichin. He's a phenomenal, fascinating guy. But let me give you a little, I'll give you the five cent uh, approach to his bio, which he sent me because he can shorten it and he can lengthen it, but he gave me the short one. So he is a co founder, CEO of Cloud Dentistry. It's a web and app based marketplace that lets dentists offices mess, message and book dental staff on demand that's right book dental staff on demand it's a pretty cool concept a graduate of harvard law school and duke university now i already I already warned him the whole duke thing i'm gonna have a problem and we probably won't get we'll, we'll bring it up but i'm a, as a syracuse guy and now duke is kind of our little bit of our basketball enemy He's familiar with that because he knows the wars they've had with North Carolina. So we we will probably touch upon that. He has practiced as an attorney for nearly 10 years and formerly taught economics at Harvard. This is one bright dude, guys and gals. So please welcome Trey Tepeson. Trey, how are you doing, man?
0: Doing great. Thank you, Dr. Sparrow, for having me today. Really appreciate it. Oh,
1: I'm so excited. When I first heard your presentation at the Catapult meeting, what was it? Six, eight months ago?
0: Yeah, that was spring of this year. Time flies by.
1: I was like, oh man, that's, that's a really innovative solution, right?
2: The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team.
1: And you talked about it. So I got a little bit of your background. So we're going to go through it because I think it's fascinating. Anytime that we have like a show, it's a sponsor, or whatever, a person of like your nature, I want to know where you came from, how you how you created, or how your mind thinks. Because I'm going to learn something, right? And how you got into this 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 whole concept. So right. let's start. Where'd you grow up? Tell us some of your
0: background, please. Sure. Yeah, I mean, never in a million years did I think that I would end up in the the dental space, honestly. (laughs) get my background, you're like, how did he get here? It it is an odd kind of um, circuitous story. So I was born in Mexico City. Um, I grew up there the first 14 years of my life. My dad is is Mexican. My mom's American. So I kind of grew up um, bilingual, bicultural. And then when I was 14, I moved um, to Texas where I finished high school. And then I'll, I slowly migrated north from there. So I did my undergrad work. We won't we won't say the name. Okay, uh, that's okay. economics. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I uh, kept migrating what north. Ended up uh, going to Harvard for law school, and I was you know a practicing an, an attorney for many years. And again, I had no idea that I was going to end up in uh, in the dental space. And, but life takes you in, in crazy ways. What, what's your mom and dad? What's their background? What's their you know. Yeah. So my 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 dad he owns a steel fabrication company in Mexico City, and that was part of the inspiration for wanting to get into some kind of entrepreneurial thing. I saw his entrepreneurial spirit growing up. Right, he built a business with his with his dad, basically from scratch, and it became a very successful company in Mexico. Um, so I, I wanted to mimic that. Like as a lawyer, I was trading my time for money in a one to one ratio. Like it wasn't super scalable. And so I wanted something, something different than that. Um, and my mom, she's a UT graduate, and she did a phenomenal job raising three boys. I don't know how she did it and how she survived. I have two younger siblings, um, and you know we gave her uh, a rough time of it, but she she did it amazing. I credit her for kind of all of our wisdom and, and learnings.
1: Okay, so fourteen years. In Mexico City, talk about what it was like growing
0: up in that environment. Oh wow, <clears throat> it's very very different. I remember um, the food. It's it's it was very. Uh, I I miss it when I come up here. It's very hard to find good Mexican food. Um, Everybody that said knows that knows, the, the, that knows the, good Mexican food. Yeah, that said though, the Tex Mex food here. Yeah, I know it's like its own genre. But as 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 someone from from Mexico, all the Mexicans I know love coming for the Tex-Mex because it's very different from what we have in Mexico. So it's like, oh, this is different. This is this is neat. This is delicious. Um, you know, I grew up in a school and went to school uh, in a bilingual school. It was half of the day in English, half of the day in Spanish. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, cool. so it was it, it, it was it was really nice. I I I enjoyed it a, a lot. But I feel like when I moved to the states, I was just shocked at kind of the the, the the vast difference in standard of living like the schools were <laughs> even though i went to one of the nicest schools in mexico the schools in the u.s were pristine by my standards i was like oh my goodness and all the kids were underappreciative of, of what they had and the opportunities i was like oh my this is this is amazing i feel so grateful to <laughs> to be here getting to take advantage of some of these these great resources
1: okay so the school system the, the bilingual thing is just it it really is fascinates me when you were growing up would you consider you were raised mexican or would you consider you were raised american how how, like was spanish spoken in the house talk a little bit about that like what was your like
0: your real growing it's it's so it's so interesting because you end up associating language and and pieces of pieces of culture as well with with different people and so you you almost change i mean you do change your, your language like there are some people like my father i only speak to him in spanish and it feels very awkward to speak to him in english like okay. i associate in my mind with spanish and that's just the way it is and he can speak english we could speak in english but we don't <laughs> and then with my mom it's the same way she's um she she learned spanish and she's perfectly fluent she's a blonde hair blue-eyed woman you'd never guess that she speaks spanish so sometimes she overhears people talking in spanish and gets different conversations she's not supposed to hear because she she speaks it perfectly that's a nice um, ass, that's but a even bad. though she speaks it so well, um, I would never speak Spanish to my mom unless I was trying to keep a secret from someone, right? It just feels awkward to speak Spanish to her. So I really did grow up to kind of straddling the fence in a way. It was, it was bicultural, um, bilingual, and it really depended on, you know, which, who, who I was interacting with. Wow. So
1: if I show you like this, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Does the word come up in Spanish first for you or does the word come up in English for you first? Well, right now I'm in English mode and we're speaking in English and so most of it comes up in, in oh, English. Oh, that's cool. And then every now and then there'll be a word. It's hard to, hard to think of one. It just comes up randomly in conversation where there's a word for which there's a Spanish word, but there's no English equivalent. And then that's when the Spanish word pops into my head. I'm like, oh, but what's the English word? And there is no English word sometimes.
1: <laughs> How about so, like like the slang expressions, right? Like. That always that like that would drive my mother-in-law. she never ever let on because she mm-hmm. would just smile and giggle, and i and I would say things, you know that were like, you know, it's as cold as X or that makes mm-hmm. as much sense as blah. And mm-hmm. you know, she would just smile you know, and and then finally after, I was like about ten years in, I was like, she has no idea what I'm saying, right? you know. Yeah, that's
0: got to be a part of the whole mix, too, right? Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely some cultural slang and and words that just don't translate. Um, I was just in Houston visiting my parents um, this last week. And um, my my, my dad was talking about um, que, que, que debo el remojo, which means there's no English translation for it, but it means whenever you buy something nice for yourself, you owe other people around you a little taste of it. Right. But I don't know what the English, there's no English word for it. Like in Spanish is ramojo, but I, I don't know what the English word for it is. Well, in the, in the Italian culture, right. Like right. in, in like, if you've watched the
1: Sopranos or the, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> you got to give a little bit to the ball. You got to pay it up. Exactly. Right?
0: exactly. A exactly. <laughs> I feel like there, there, there should be a word for that, but I don't know what it is. at least. <laughs> oh my goodness. So when you were 14, what was, what was
1: the impetus to move? Why, why change countries? Why change you know what I mean? Like, what was that
0: booth? What was that for? Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, my parents really wanted me to have um, uh, more opportunities. I think when you think about kind of the educational system in the United States and the, the business world and everything that's in front of you, um, mm-hmm. everyone knows that the United States is where you go for maximizing your opportunities. And we were fortunate enough that we had the resources to make that, make that happen. Um, the crime was also getting very bad in Mexico at the time. So this was back in like 1994, this was right after the, the peso was devalued. And so when the peso was devalued, it caused kind of economic calamity down there and the crime rates just skyrocketed. Um, and there were lots of kidnappings happening, right? We, we knew people, close friends of ours that, who had their, their children kidnapped. And they were kind of like these express kidnappings where, um, it, they call them express because it's a 24 hour turnaround. They're not demanding a huge amount of ransom. You pay a, you know, a modest amount of money and you get your kid back quickly. And this is like done express kidnapping. <laughs> Still very scary. I've never heard of uh, that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they were happening frequently. And so, so that was very real. That wasn't a threat. That was, that was real. That happened. was real. Right. That was real. And we, yeah, like it was like, you knew, like you said, you knew people. Right. Right to whom yeah. it had happened yeah and and um it's, it's very surreal because i mean people up here they when, when i tell them this it's, they, they think oh then trey must have been you know living like this palatial life he must have been in a very wealthy family but the reality is, is it, it, it it wasn't that big of a deal pretty much everyone in my school we had drivers slash bodyguards that would kind of take us around everywhere um and they were just on the payroll and you know because of the the kind of the vast labor cost differential, you could do that in Mexico, even if you weren't incredibly well off. If you were you know middle, middle, upper class, right um, you'd have people like that kind of watching over you because it was it was pretty dangerous. Did your dad bring his business this way when he when he moved? he He didn't. so he he stayed stayed in Mexico City and um, kept running the business and he would kind of commute to the us to to visit us um, you know frequently. Like every month he'd come up and, and, and visit, but he had to keep he had to can't kinda of keep his business running in Mexico. Right. Now that it's further along, he he he, he has moved full time to Houston, Texas and runs it remotely at this point.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. So he's still keeping it going in, in, in the same area. Okay. Yeah. Great. So when you go to high school, obviously, it's not an acclimation situation because English is a, is a, i is a, – I'm going to call you truly bilingual. I think you have two first languages. I find a lot of times with bilingual, they have a first language, and then they're very good at their second language. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you really truly grew up with two first languages, which is amazing. Um, now you're in the Texas school system, and you said first, you know, your impressions is pristine. What were you thinking at 14? So you're probably ninth grade, maybe mm-hmm.
0: yep, ninth grade. Exactly.
1: So what um, were you thinking? It, like, it what, what are you going to do? Grade. Were you thinking, well, just going to graduate high school or did you already have,
0: you know, aspirations and thoughts beyond what was your thoughts at that point? Yeah. So it was actually um, um, 10th grade. And I think it was I had I just finished having a big wake up call because growing up, I was a very mediocre student all through elementary school, middle school, it was like C's and D's. And I would even get like bad grades and I would hide them from my parents. I'd drop it under the furniture. So they wouldn't see it. Um, because in my mind I, I was very complacent. I saw my father, he had a great business. I figured, you know, I can go work for my dad's business. I don't need to kind of really apply myself. But then when, um, the economic collapse happened in 94, um, and I saw my parents struggling, it was a wake up call to me. And then we moved to the U S and there's, they said, we're giving you this opportunity. And it really hit home to me. I said, I got, I I have to take advantage of this. And so You're I, the oldest of the three I am, I am. Yeah. And so I just buckled down. I remember when I, when I moved up, uh, you know, there, there was there's some cultural shock, but not, not too much. Um, a lot of the kids in in, in Mexico were, Born U.S. students, that we had a lot of U.S. students in in my school in Mexico. Um, but more than anything else, it was just for me. I was very, very, very studious all through all through high school. I wanted to make sure that I, you know, did right by my family. So you did a one eighty academically, right? Academically, I did. I did it pretty much a one eighty. If you look at my transcripts, it was C's okay. and D's, but and then pretty much straight A's.
1: <laughs> that's a college admissions dream, right there. As someone who has never lived to any potential and all of a sudden realizes, Hey, you know, I was underperforming and I'm, you know, I'm well capable of more. Right. And then you prove it. Right. So, so now I got to ask about Duke now. Why Duke, man, you got, you're in Texas. <laughs> you didn't think of UT. I mean, A and M none of those schools. No, mean, all,
0: all, all great schools, all great schools at the time, you know, I remember going and buying the U S news world report whatever they call it ranking and all the kids used to buy that we went to go to barnes and noble buy the report that ranked all the universities right and i wanted to be the best right and so i was looking at harvard initially i was like harvard's ranked number one i'm gonna go to harvard and then i remember doing a summer program there well first i visited during the winter months and it was horrendously cold so that was already a turnoff because i wasn't used to the cold and then I did a summer program there as well, and I just really didn't, wasn't feeling good. I was like, ah, I don't know if this is for me. <laughs> it not okay. I don't like the vibe. I don't like the way the city feels. This is very different. Um, so I kind of started going down the list, and Duke at the time was ranked, I think, it was ranked, ranked number three. And I visited Duke, and I immediately fell in love with the campus. Um, it was just, it reminded yeah, me a cool lot. Vibe, of- it's it a very cool vibe. Cool vibe. It, 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 it reminded me of this, you know. It, it had, still had a southern southern flavor to it. It didn't have kind of that northeastern yeah. feel that Harvard had, and so it felt a little bit more at home for me. Um, it wasn't too much of a change. And I said, look, and it has four seasons. It's not horrendously cold, and so I kind of just landed there. It was a good combination of um, good culture, good city, and strong academics. And so it, it 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 took the day for me. Any trouble
1: getting in with, with grades or SATs or anything or.
0: Oh, I mean, I got in on early admissions, so. um, No no problem. I'd like to think, I'd like to think I didn't, I had, I had, I had decent grades. I I did well on my SATs and had good extracurriculars and stuff. So um, I like to think it was a. Early admission. That's cool. Okay. So
1: you're (laughs) at Duke now, now what now is it just, let's take a, a liberal arts you know, kind of flavor, but you know, obviously you go into teaching economics at Harvard law, right? What, what
0: was fancy? Like, what was your fancy at that point? When, yeah, you so, so when, when I was at Duke, I was on the pre-med path. Um, I thought I was gonna be a doctor. You know, I, I'm going to talk to you in the dentistry, but go ahead. pre-med. <laughs> and so I majored in biology and economics, did a double major major with a minor in chemistry. Oh. Here, with some great uh, people? I I took the MCATs. And I I prepared for them. I did well on the MCATs, and I was writing my college, uh, or not my college, my um, med school admissions essay. Right for for applying, I got to the point of applying, and they were asking me why I wanted to be a doctor. And I had never done any like serious introspection up to that point, and I couldn't find a compelling reason to put down on the on the, on that piece of paper that was going to mean any, anything to the admissions officer. And so it, it gave me pause, it gave me pause. And I started kind of re, re- reevaluating my pri- priorities <clears throat> and whether or not I really wanted to be a doctor. And after soul searching, talking to friends, I was like, you know, I don't think I'm going into it for the right reasons, right? And so I pivoted and I said, well, let's go the other well-trod path, uh, which is the, the the legal path. So I ended up being a lawyer uh, applied to law school, um, got into Harvard, and that kind of sealed the deal for me. I said, "Okay, I, no I got in. Can't turn this down. This is uh, an opportunity of a lifetime. So I'm, I'm going to the Northeast, and I'm going to get. I'm going to buy a jacket. I'm going to weather the cold, and we're going to make this happen."
1: Come on, you make it sound like Siberia. Come on, man. I live in <laughs> upstate New York, so I'm t- talking I'm to, to-, t- t- to- t- 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 a t- southern kid here, boy, yeah,
0: man. So, <laughs> did you apply to Duke Law School by any chance? I did not. I did not. No, huh. I just just applied to Harvard. Actually, it surprised me. <laughs> so you prepare for your MCATs, which is which
1: is grueling, and then you got to prepare for your L- LSATs, right? The LSATs were a lot easier.
0: Yeah, the MCATs—that's another. Obviously,
1: folks, you heard it here. He flat out admitted it. I admit it. I admit LSATs <laughs> were easier than what we go through in the DATs and the MCATs. Absolutely. All right. We all thought that, but you proved it. Okay. All right. So you're in, you're in law school. Now let's talk what you're thinking. Because now you you said you didn't do any introspection when you thought about medicine. Now you had to do a little bit. Now you're in. Now you're in your career path much deeper. Mm-hmm.
0: What, what's your thought process now in, in law school? So I was loving law school. I re- it felt like a, an amazing fit for me. It, it, intellectually, um, in terms of the subject matter, I really enjoyed, you know, Arguing cases, reading about previously decided cases, doing research. I I enjoyed writing. I got really very, very good at writing as well. So I was loving it. Um, And then we had the summer internship programs, which really sealed the deal for me because that's where the the law firms go and they hire summer interns from these law schools to work for the summer. And it's, you don't do any work. You just go and (laughs) they they want to dine you and they pay you they pay you too so i was like oh my goodness like i picked the right profession clearly <laughs> um so i was sold and then i graduated law school well, while i was in law school because i do have a i did have a passion for economics and teaching um they, they had an opening to teach the undergraduate economics the micro and macro economics and i applied for that and they interviewed well, me
1: you like taught undergrad harvard economics while you're in law school yes Yes. Oh, yeah. So this is an achiever. Okay. You're an
0: achiever. <laughs> I, we've established that. Okay. All right. To, to this wow. day, I love economics. It, it It's a whole different way of thinking and looking at the world. It's not just about numbers and business. It's it yeah. really a different mindset of, you know, just a different. An analytical framework. I would say my son loves Thomas soul. You like him? Oh yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right, sorry. Off topic. Keep going. Yeah. So you you have this. <laughs> that's, a, that's, economic... a, that's a that's a deep rabbit hole we could go down.
1: <laughs> but so but let's talk about this, right? So yeah. economics you're teaching, and you have a, a vast interest. You have a father who taught you a little bit of the entrepreneurial part. So you you can kind of see where the ingredients to the stew are coming together here, right? Absolutely. So. What's your first, I, I know you went, you did the cushy uh, internships and, and everybody does that because they want you to think you don't have to work. And then when they hire you, as an associate, you'll <laughs> your ass off. So mm-hmm. what did you do when you graduated law school?
0: So when I first graduated, I went to work for um, one, of the, one of the law firms here in Boston called Ropes and Gray, very, one of the top law firms in the nation. And I was shocked because to your point, you know, it doesn't, it didn't match the summer internship experience not, at all. Not even close. Yeah. And the very first assignment that I had like, I think the first six months of working at Ropes and Gray, they stuck me in a room and I just did nothing but review documents and sort them into piles, basically. Like, this is a privileged document, this is a document that's important to the case, that's responsive to a discovery request, and this is a document that we can just, you know, put to the side because it's not relevant. Okay. It was It was grunt work, right? But everyone has to pay their dues. But for me, I was shocked because I was like, oh my goodness, so... All this education, all this training, and now here I am just shuffling shuffling paper, <laughs> and they're paying me gobs of money to do it too. Interesting model to say the least. Um, and then I, you know, progressed from there. I mean, obviously, everyone has to, like, like I said, pay their dues. Um, ended up being on some very interesting, high-profile cases that I, I very much enjoyed. Um, I got to argue cases in in court as well kind of got the entire flavor of being a commercial. I was a commercial litigator. So I got the entire flavor of being a commercial litigator and really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. But I think the, the, the thing for me that was a little bit of a wake up call um, was that the business model was just incompatible with my fundamental drivers. Like when, when I think about what drives me, I'm a very efficiency minded person. I wanna find the shortest line from point A to point B. I don't necessarily work for money. I work more for the time that that that, that work can get me um, free time, and so uh, from for my family, for my kids, whatever. Um, and, and in the legal world, it's all based on billable hours. So if if I were very very efficient and were able to do a project that might have taken a colleague of mine thirty hours to do, but I can do it in ten, that twenty hour differential doesn't give me any extra credit. The fact that I was able to do it quickly, they just say, I'll find another 20 hours. No, to put no, It this. actually it actually works against you. It actually works against me. Exactly. Yeah. Because, and, and so I'm just fatigued. I'm working and I, and I'm just spinning. I'm like a hamster on the hamster wheel. And so I, my ear was, I always have my ear to the ground looking for something different, something that would, that would match kind of my value system a little bit better in terms of the the business model and so it's a natural it lends itself naturally to entrepreneurism it really does and then i just kind of stumbled upon this opportunity in dentistry well i'll tell you what you think about dentistry right we have a fee schedule and my wife
1: asked me this today because we have a new associate in our in our practice and she was like do do you do you charge more when you place an implant versus your associate i said no why they get the same product Mm -hmm. so while it may take less time with myself because i've done more you know you know, I mean, like I may be more efficient in the delivery mm-hmm. portion of it, right. Product's still the same. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So in that model, what you just described is almost like you got a cab running and, it, and if I can take the route, it takes me two hours to get you from point A to point B, I get paid more. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if I can figure out a way to get you there in, you know, half the amount of time, right. And, you know, I don't, that, that, that actually get, costs me money.
0: You get paid less. You're
1: almost motivated to be inefficient. Mm-hmm.
0: Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Cause every, every email or every text I get, every, every, like my, my buddies a couple of boys that are lawyers. They're like, hold on, I got to pay some bills. And they answered three texts and they go, oh, just made X amount of dollars. Right. Right. We, every we text know. is a 15 minute billable hour. Right. You know, I'm like, oh my God. So, I mean, can you imagine? Like, you know, the meter starts when I walk in the room. No, no, no. no. We get, we get, Kind of paid for service, but anyway, mm-hmm. so keep going now. So how did you come up or how did you combine this concept of business efficiencies, economics, right? And then this legal
0: milieu yeah, that you I don't think did. they naturally combine with each other. I think that it okay. was more about it. like my brain got exercised in many different ways. It's like the same, you go to the gym, you do a you do bench press. You're never going to use those muscles, like that exact movement in your life. but You're just improving your general, like, right, 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 right. I think I, I had the tools necessary to to jump into almost anything, if I really, I think, put my mind to it. And then I just happened to stumble upon this opportunity. I was having dinner with a friend of mine, uh, an old high school friend. I hadn't seen him in probably 10 years. His name is Reza. And Reza and I used to be best friends back in high school, but we kind of lost touch with college and law school he went to dental school so he was a dentist was he a general dentist he's a general dentist okay. and so we're catching up over 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 dinner and we get into this friendly chest bumping match arguing about who had a tougher job was it tougher being a lawyer or tougher being a dentist <laughs> Chest just bumping i love it and uh he you know I, 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 dentists have to concede to my friend reza dentists have a very Difficult job. I mean, you have to be both clinicians, so you're in patients' mouths for a lot of the day. And then it's this weird, odd situation where not only are you the clinician, but you're also the operator. You also have to run your business. And most of the time, if you're the business operator, you're not the person that's actually doing the product, right? And so you're both clinician and business operator. And then to add insult to injury, He's telling me, telling me about how hard it was to find staff and how unreliable the staff was, um, mainly because it, no, no fault to the staff, but just the demographics lend themselves to that. He told me that over 50% of the dental professionals are either part-time or temporary workers. And this was pre-COVID. And so even pre-COVID, it was already a very difficult problem for him. And he told me that in any given month, he was going to be short-staffed four to five days out of the month. And that he was gonna to have to either cancel patients and lose thousands of dollars in production or scramble to try to find a replacement. And so I asked him, what do you do? Like, where, where do you look to find these replacements? Because in my mind, I'm thinking, this can't be that that big of a problem. He's just trying to make it sound like, <laughs> he's just trying to play his he's little He's from- crying in his beer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so he tells me they say, way, like there's, there's no place out there that aggregates them well. Like I'm literally looking at Craigslist I'm looking yep. at Indeed, Indeed, having, yep. Using temp agencies, and you know, all those models have their problems. Like the, the the job boards, they boast about having hundreds of thousands or millions of resumes, but the reality is they're all stale. It's like sending messages into a black hole. You very very rarely get responses, and then if you do get someone to respond to and agree to come in to help you in your office, we have data on this. About forty percent of the time, when someone's booked through a job board. Um, about forty percent of the time, they will just ghost you. So you think they're going to come in and help you for the day, and then they don't. Not only do they not show up, they don't even give you the courtesy of a call. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Like you know, ten years ago, if if, if I had, if I couldn't make it to something, um, I'd at least make up an excuse, right? I say my car had trouble, or my kids, yeah. or something. But yeah, now, your grandmother died for the fifteenth time, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, but but now you don't even get the courtesy of a of a response. You just get ghosted. And so that was the job boards and then with the temp agencies the people would show up and it would cost reza an arm and a leg they were charging him 30 percent markups on, on the daily rates right. and if he found someone through the temp agency that he wanted to to hire full-time they charge him ten thousand dollars to buy out that contract so yeah there was just no good solution and that's when you know the, the wheels in our head started turning we're like this this doesn't make any sense right like this is the era of the the sharing economy Internet, marketplaces, if 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 I needed a nanny, I could go to care.com and have a nanny here tonight. If I needed someone to walk a dog, I could go download a WAG app. You need something delivered, you download the Instacart app. This model exists in countless other verticals. Why does it not exist in dentistry? And it was that epiphany, that moment, when I said, look, this is too good of an opportunity to pass up. Like I'm I'm done being a lawyer. I will go into this full time. Like, how often do you find an industry a large robust industry um that is in desperate need of a, te- of a technology that has been proven out in countless other verticals it almost never happens and so i said i'm in i'm in so we so we cobbled together our money um reza puts him in i put some in. he brought in one of his dentist colleagues as well and um we gave it a go <laughs> so that was the birth of cloud dentistry that was the birth of cloud dentistry yeah i think did, it was did more you Grab the name right away so I remember you know i wish yeah you know, in, in in hindsight i think we could have maybe spent more time thinking of the name but I, I like it now um but we just you know after that dinner conversation then we met with um tj his other dentist partner we met in a coffee shop we just sat down and spent 15 20 minutes thinking of a name we said cloud Dentistry sounds good let's move on to the next topic because we were just about go 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 let's bring this to market yeah. let's develop, make, put, put the team together so we didn't think too much of the name um but now it's, it's become kind of ubiquitous and well-known. So it's, yeah,
1: I, it, it, it's good. So, see, I'm a Shark Tank fan, right? So right now, you've hit some major buttons for most of the people that I've, that I've watched on Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. O'Leary, Perjavec, yeah. um, you know, Cuban, um, Lori, and yep. Barbara, right? And Damon. Uh, you're all in, okay? And you're looking at, a solution to a problem it's a well-known problem it's well-defined and it's it's funny that you started this before the pandemic because after the pandemic I, it, there's problems that i've never experienced that we experience almost on a, on a routine basis like you said four to five days a month we're probably short staff yep at some point you know well more than that at least more than that so four to four days is one day a week we're probably let's say it if two, maybe it would be safe, safe to say two of those five days we have. Right. And, and you know, legitimate, right. My kid's sick. I got to stay home. Mm-hmm. I, I think, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, always legit. And then some, maybe not, but most of them are. And because we're, you know, we value family, we, we, we just make it work, but it does tax a lot of the other folks in the office. So, right. but right. you, you've hit some major things. How, how did you, I mean, what 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 inspired you to go all in, right? Like you're you're all in on this.
0: Yeah, when I say all in, it, it really was all in. I put you know all, whatever money I had in my checking account went into it, and then um, liquidated my four hundred one k, put that in, and said, "Look, we got it. We got to do this." Whoa, wow. Dave Ramsey wouldn't be happy with you, but that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Dave Ramsey would not approve. Um, I threw caution to the wind, and again, I think it was more. Honestly, in hindsight, I think it was more naivete than courage. <laughs> I can I can act like, oh, I was a hero. I was very courageous. But the, the truth is I was very naive um, as to kind of what all it would entail to actually get it off the ground. Um, in my mind, I thought, we'll put we'll, we'll put the team together. I know a good web developer. He'll develop the platform. We'll get it built out. And then we'll start emailing people. We'll do text campaigns. We'll get people onto the platform. And it'll start making money for us. Could not be further from the truth, right? <laughs> Um, getting the platform developed and, and launching it was just barely scratching the surface, kind of the alpha version of the product that we that we launched with, um, and there were a lot more hurdles, a lot more obstacles than I ever could have imagined, um, and that's why I say it was more naivete than courage. Because if someone gave me a crystal ball and said these are all the things you're going to have to surmount, I might have said, uh, I don't know if I want to risk it all for this. Uh, it's it, no, it. seemed nobody's path, kind of... nobody's path to success is not rocky. I mean.
1: nobody that i know yeah you know but when you're all in right when you burn the boats when you're all in you don't there's no safety net you're gonna figure it out right but what's interesting is at no point in your conversation about your your background or history do you come across as a major risk taker right Mm -hmm. at least that's my perception like you've seen you know play this i did this i you're very calculated i thought this through okay this I looked at the schools, I selected, you know, mm-hmm. nothing speaks to really what your next step was, but you, you, you were, you were sold on this whole process. So talk about
0: when you started the company, what year was that? Um, So the company, I guess, was technically founded in 2015, but we didn't launch until like 2016, 2017.
1: 2016, 2017. So pre-pandemic? Pre-pandemic. Okay. So, talk about what it looked like and what you were seeing, because I know it's been massive growth and it's
0: it's yeah. flying. But talk uh, a little bit about your plan. Yeah, so we, you start when started. we first launched the, the the platform, I saw videos of kind of what the platform looked like initially. In hindsight, it was it was it was embarrassing. I think it was um, Reed Hoffman, LinkedIn, somewhere. LinkedIn guy. He said, "Look, unless you." Unless you look back and are embarrassed a little bit embarrassed about the product you launched with, then you launched too late. That, that's that. In my defense, the product looked like crap, but we had we had to launch with something. And I remember it was just very arduous to get the first. I, I remember sitting at the admin panel where I could see the signups coming in, waiting for the signups to come in. I bought some email lists. I I I, I had some did some text campaigns. I was like, okay, let, let's see let's see the signups come in, and it was crickets. It was crickets, and 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 that was very demoralizing for me because I, mm-hmm. I like I said I was all in. And I'm like, oh shoot, what have I done? <laughs> nothing's nothing's happening. We built this thing, and no one is signing up. And so I remember literally going onto LinkedIn, connecting with dentists, connecting with dental hygienists, connecting with dental assistants, and asking them for their input. I said, look, I built this product. I'd love to have your input. Can I treat you to coffee and let's talk? I would meet. Hygienist one on one, dental assistance one on one at Starbucks right there in Houston on West Timer near the Galleria. And we'd, um, you know what? I know exactly where that is. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's a 20, 24 hour Starbucks. It doesn't ever close. And so we'd meet, I'd meet with these people and they'd give me feedback on the platform. And then I'd ask them to create their profile because it was free to create your profile. And then later in the day, I'd meet with an office and say, hey, I just onboarded this, this great hygienist. You need a hygienist. I could introduce you to the hygienist or, him or her. Uh, but I'd rather you create your profile on on, on cloud dentistry and book the hygienist through cloud dentistry, so we can like get things moving and kind of like grease the wheels, so to speak. And so it was very arduous. It took us over a year to get to our first 100 clients. 1st about boots on the ground, that's boots on the ground. That's making.
1: So you're talking technology, but when it comes right down to it, it's a people to
0: people connection. At, at, at the beginning, when I first launched the platform and before we had worked out all the wrinkles and really leveraged the full power of the platform, it was very much of a Wizard of Oz, Oz situation. Like, here's the, <laughs> here's the curtain of the platform and here's me behind the scenes um, pulling the strings. I was doing everything from sales to customer service. I was calling hygienists in the morning to remind them to show up to their appointments. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing everything. Uh, and it was a very iterative approach. And so because of, be, but I think because we launched with that and because we were very much about just receiving feedback, testing it out, seeing what works, what doesn't work, and then iterating month after month after month. That's how we ended up with a product like Cloud Industry where it is today, where, I mean, it's phenomenal. It's it's turnkey. I don't lift a finger. No one on my team lifts a finger for the matches. The matches happen on their own. Everything's seamless, frictionless. But you don't you don't just magically appear there from day one there's too many, well, too many variables to consider you see the parallels to starting a dental practice i'm, I'm sure i'm sure well, think about it
1: right let's say i start a practice I I, I I build this great office i have all this technology i have all this knowledge and wisdom and i just i just and i hang a shingle and i do whatever i think i can to advertise and then i sit by the phone and nobody calls or i sit by the computer and nobody schedules right right right. now people who are all in you know like a howard Ferran, he's out knocking on doors in neighborhoods meeting people greeting people signing them getting them to make appointments in your case getting people to start using your platform right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's 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 eerily similar in my mind into and and now you know now typically if you have a successful practice you should if you take good care of people, they should help send more of those people. And, you know, I mean, it's the the well stays replenished, you know. Right. So, right. so at the end of the first year, where were you? Were you still in despair? At what point did you say this might work?
0: At the end of the first year, I, I mean, I, I never lost hope. I always knew that it would work. Um, it was just taking longer than I, than I thought it would. And so at the end of the uh, the first year, when we got the first hundred hundred hundred, paying offices onto the platform, subscribe to the platform. Um, it seemed like a Herculean task and I was like, man, like, how are we ever going to get to 500 offices, much less a thousand offices? Like that seems completely unachievable, but it's just, you keep fixing details, keep iterating the product, keep iterating your marketing approach. Um, H- hiring and sur- surrounding yourself with the best people—that was another thing. I've been very, very fortunate in terms of the the, the people that work with cloud. That look, like work with me on cloud industry. I don't call them employees; they're my colleagues, and they're all phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And they live and breathe at this company the same way I do. And that's the kind of person that you need. And so, just chipping away at it, we finally got to the point where you know we went from 100 to 200 offices. Then we went to 800, then we went to 2,000, and now we're almost to 5,000 offices. And it's like, (laughs) that whole year to get 100 clients, now we do that in half a month. And it's like, it's mind-blowing to me (laughs) to see kind of how far it's come. That's awesome. I I mean, so,
1: you you, you know, and again, you're not necessarily reinventing, but you're constantly tweaking, right? Like great basketball coaches are always... Getting, you know, how do I do this? How can I improve this? We played good, but how can we play better? Right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's the way the brain works on people who are driven like in in that capacity. So
0: like, one of the biggest problems we
1: oh, about no, go, I was gonna explain it again now because I, I just want to make sure it's clear to folks listening to. It. So a subscription model is the office signs up and pays a subscription fee, right? right? The potential employees create profiles so they essentially sign up and they don't
0: pay anything on that. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. For people who are listening to this, if they if they visualize LinkedIn, right, that's kind of the closest thing I could I could think of for a visual aid. Visualize LinkedIn with a lot of profiles and it's free for you to create your account on LinkedIn and peruse all of the candidates on LinkedIn. So Same say that one that. more time, what you just said. It's free to do what? Free to peruse, free to look but, at all the candidates on Cloud Industry. So you said so free to make your profile, and free for free for professionals to create their profiles as well. So there's, there's, there's so you can create own
1: your own profile. Group. Yep. I mean, and, and people, listen. You can go create your own profile. cost you zero. Yep. And you can start to look, and when you see it in real time, because I he, I did this with Trey a couple days ago. I was like, excuse me, it was <laughs> like it was to the minute. It wasn't like checked out. This person was on right as we were there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just kind of select or pick your markets, but keep going. I don't want to interrupt you. I'm kind of jazzed about it. I think it's the coolest thing. Going
0: <laughs> yeah, but, so, we, so we basically, you know, completely turned the staffing model upside down. And so it's free to look. We've removed all the friction to to getting into this, into this network. You can look at profiles. You can see all of the user's stats all their user reviews so other users can can leave reviews for these professionals as well you can read all all of those reviews for free all that's okay so when you
1: say user so i i'm my profile on i'm a paid subscriber i hire a hygienist for a day right right? she has a rating like you talked about Mm -hmm. and then
0: what happens i rate them right so at the end of every at the end of every assignment, the dental office is given the chance to rate the professionals that they work with on Cloud Dentistry. Okay. And you rate them from one star to five star, and you can also leave written reviews for them as well. And so what that does is as Cloud Dentistry gets more and more utilization, the database itself becomes more and more valuable and powerful. And it also is very, very valuable real estate for the dental professionals because now they have living... It's kind of like LinkedIn on steroids, right? Like they have Living breathing profiles that track all their work history, track track all their user reviews, track their their no show rates. Like we, we we will suspend users for no showing. So that that forty percent ghosting rate that you get, on right. others. I was just gonna say. I remember, remember uh, you remember everybody. He talked about people that they don't even show. They ghost you. Now yeah. there's a scorecard. There's a scorecard. And so because That's of that, scorecard. our our, our no show rate is less than one percent. One percent. So people, you know, the dentist book with impunity, and they book with confidence on, on the site. Um, and it really is a complete paradigm shift because dental offices are used to paying 30% markups on every single booking that they, that they do. They're used to paying $10,000 to buy out the candidates. And on our site, you pay. it's like iTunes. You pay one flat fee with iTunes, and you can listen to as many songs as you want. If you love a song and wanna add that song to your playlist, Apple doesn't charge you more for that. You just add the song to your playlist and no charge. Same concept here. You pay a flat subscription fee. You can try out 10 hygienists over the course of the month, five dental assistants, hire a dental assistant full-time because that, that was the one you wanted, and hire like whichever hygienist fits your culture the best, hire that one full-time. You don't owe a penny more to cloud dentistry.
1: There's, say, there's no say, we'll say that just one more time. because that's what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, mean, it's almost too good to be true. Yeah, you pay yeah because it's, that's not fee. the model. That's not, not the, the model, model that you're dealing with, with Agencies, headhunters, or whatever right, that right, that, right. That we, so
0: go ahead. We don't, we don't police our users. That's one of the things that d- dentists are always they're skeptical about. It. They're like, wait, what's the catch? I'm like, there's no catch. We don't police our users. We tell them upfront: try out five hygienists, no fee for every every time you book one. Book as many as you want, and then when you find the one that you love and want to hire him or her full time, do so. Like, we're not going to stand in the way of that. We want you to be successful. There's no there's no bio fees. So if I
1: hire so I'm I'm gonna walk through this scenario, right? And you correct me because I will probably screw it up. So I have a hygienist that I, I have worked with for the last three Fridays this year, this month. Okay. Mm-hmm. She's filled in. We've hired her. Her profile, her skills, her skill set matches. She comes in culturally, it's a decent fit. We're gonna five star rating. We love her, et cetera. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Him or her? I don't want to make this. Sense. Yeah. The, 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 well, Ninety percent of the industry is female, so I get what I, you're saying. So I, I know, but I don't want to get I don't want to get accused of that. So we hire, we bring that hygienist in three three uh, Fridays, we'll say over a six week period, and we're like, we love this person, we want to hire them. Mm-hmm. We just go ahead and we talk directly to that person. So we're not going behind anybody's back. There's no back door. Oh, wait a second, we get a finder's fee or we get a a kick on this and whatever. And we say, listen, uh, Kyle, right. Cause that could be either gender, right? There we Kyle, go. we'd like to hire you. We're going to hire you. Here's, here's your pay. Here's your benefits. Here's your perks. Here's your office package. And they're like, great. Love to do it. Right. Exactly. Now exactly. they can still keep their profile and still work, you know, in this scenario, maybe we, but if we hire them full time, hopefully we're going to, you know, have that relationship and maybe, you might lose a a high-end user, a person that uses it often, but like you said, that person is successful and that's a feather in cloud dentistry cap to satisfy that need on both sides,
0: the temp and then the Mm -hmm. permanent one. Exactly. And I think think that's one of the not not just the dentist, but also the the hygienist and the dental assistants. That's why they flock to cloud dentistry, why we've done such a good job of kind of Creating this massive database of users that's available for for everybody because the the dental hygienists, the dental assistants truly believe in our mission, right? That, that we're empowering them to find their dream office, uh, and we're not saddling them with big placement fees and uh, big bio fees. And so we say, look, great- all this, all, you know, all, all the money that the temp, the, the the temp agency is charging, that's money money that either the office could have saved or you could be making, right? Like there's a middleman in it. And that middleman taking a big chunk of it. The office should be paying less and the professional should be making more. And with cloud industry, that becomes reality because we cut out yeah. that middleman. Well, that's
1: a neat, is, is that by the way, I mean, that's a great slogan, find your dream office for the for the working. Right. <laughs> you know, I like that. Yeah. But on our side, right? Find your dream employee. Right, right, absolutely. That's a, that, to me, that's a win-win, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. because, you know, you've tasted, you know, you've tasted the pie before you ate it or before you ordered it. You had a sample, like you go to a gelato store, they got the little spoons, right? right. I want to <laughs> taste the uh, stracciatella. And they give it a bit like, oh, you know, let me try the vanilla. And you try a couple things. Very similar. Very similar. Right. You know, and there's not, I like the fact that the openness and the thorough description part is out in the open and right. there's no like well I, I didn't tell you that you know the last four places I got thrown out because I stole yeah. cotton rolls or whatever the case right, you, you, right it's going right. to show up in the
0: rating somewhere right or yeah or or someone will complain to us and we'll get them off the platform i mean we we're doing about 13,000 placements every single month so 13,000 we, a month folks a month and so we see, we see a lot of volume and when you see that much volume, you're going to have a few crazies, but the good news is that we filter out those crazies. So they don't get, they don't hop around from office to office anymore. We, we elevate the level of quality in the dental, the, the, the yeah, yeah, there's here. probably some, right.
1: Some mechanism that once you've gotten three or four X, Y, Z's and you know, what the flags, you know, the flags raised, et cetera that way. I, I like this. I just love how this foundation started. You know, the, the it's just so similar to dental, like a dental practice, mm-hmm. building mm-hmm. it, Absolutely. you know, in, in the relationship portion. And now you're sort of like, okay, we're going to put you guys together. You guys can, you guys can work it out. And for a lot of dentists who I think are introverted, especially that, you know, they're not great in, in that kind of communication, kind of that environment. This answers a lot of things and puts a lot of information in front of people, mm-hmm. so they can be introverted but still do quality research and mm-hmm. finding a good uh, a good fit
0: for each person right. for the, for the employee it, and for the employer. Absolutely, and it also just helps the dentists get their foot in the door with the dental professionals because you know pre COVID it was already a tight labor market post COVID. One in five healthcare workers quit. Um, The female workforce participation rates at a 33 year low. And this is like a 98% female industry. So it's like a one-two punch to kind of constrict the labor supply on the dental professional side. And so dentists need new tools for recruiting and getting in front of dental professionals. And and if you're introverted and you need some additional help, this is a way of of getting your foot in the door. You can book them for, for a working interview have them come in, try them out. It's not just for temping, right? You can try try them out, and then now you have that report. Now you have that relationship. Now you've worked with them for a day, and, not, and then you can decide if you want to hire them full time. Um, but for someone that has a hard time even getting someone to come to the office, this is a game changer. You pay them to come in for a day, and that's your entry ticket. Rather than paying Indeed thousands of dollars for a job posting, just pay a dental hygienist that you think has a good profile to come into your office and see how it See how it goes.
1: Now, let's let's go through one other example, if you don't mind, because you, you brought this up at the very first time I heard you speak, was if I find out, you know, someone calls up, listen, I, I, I got my my mother sick, I'm going to have flu tonight I'm not going to be able to come to work tomorrow. So you have like a high priority urgent situation. I'm a cloud dentistry user. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, what What would that look like from my side? So most of our bookings happen within 24 hours of um, the need. So most of the bookings are short-term. We also have a setting on the professional's profiles where they can indicate that they are willing to actively monitor um, and and, and accept bookings, not just within a 24-hour period, but within like an immediate (laughs) notice type period. And so they can set that onto their profile and then you would see those professionals come up in your search results. So like if if it's 8 a.m., and you're short staffed and you're like, oh man, I need someone now. You can run a search to see who are those super active users that I can send a booking request to and get to come into my office right now. On average, it takes about 10 minutes to get a response, to get a confirmed booking on the platform. 10 minutes. 10 minutes from messaging out and sending the booking request out to getting that confirmed, to getting that confirmation. 10 minutes on average. And then- It's a game changer. And if you're an experienced user on cloud industry, you can actually add hygienists as favorites. So you can kind of build up your bench. So maybe you like working with Susie, you you like working with Kyle, you add them as favorites to your roster. Now you have kind of your, your standing bench. And then if they favorite you back, now you have a favorite match. And what that does is when you send them a booking request, you don't have to even wait for them to reply anymore it is instant accepts it and instant confirms so it's it's very very fast once you have them on your uh, favorite as part of your bench so
1: let me ask you this was that a, a modification that was a suggestion from somebody
0: oh yeah yep uh, everything everything on the platform <laughs> i can't take credit for it I, I, all i can take credit for is um ha- treating people with a lot of starbucks coffees <laughs> and giving starbucks a lot of money and um you know basically Trying my best to give the Dental community what they tell me they want. Okay. So now I'm going to ask you a different
1: question, but it's directly related. So this business is still in the growth and planning phases. Are you doing any are you doing any investing? Are you looking for investors in the company? What would you call?
0: We we are. We're kind of in our kind of hyper growth mode. So we we're growing at a rate of 100% year over year, um, very, very fast growth, very high margins. So it costs very, very little to run the business. Like it's this laptop that I'm speaking to you from. We yep. have no overhead, no uh, real estate, no lease. Yeah, you have no Starbucks. You have no-, you have no <laughs> Yeah, it's just yeah. Starbucks, right? And so um, we're, we're, we're looking to kind of just explode. I think we're at that inflection point where we've done the work to kind of ensure that we have great product market fit. Uh, We have a great monetization strategy, and we have a great go-to-market strategy in place as well. We've proven out that we can launch multiple cities. We have great market penetration all throughout Texas and Denver and, and, and some of our hub cities like Houston or Austin. One out of every three dental offices is currently subscribed to the platform. In Denver, it's one out of four. In Atlanta, it's one out of five. And so we've proven this out. And now we're at that inflection point and we're gonna say, okay, we're at, five, we're, we're at almost 5,000 subscribed dental offices on the platform. We wanna to go to 20,000, we wanna to go to 30,000. And just as insurmountable as it seemed to go from the 100 offices that it took me a year to get to get to 5,000, same story here. We're gonna go from 5,000 to 20,000. It's gonna be in the blink of an eye. And we're doing fundraising to make that happen. Because I mean, even, though with, even with the high margins, even with our very aggressive spin on marketing, we want to raise money to kind of make that push because speed is the name of the game. I view I view this as a zero or hero play where there's going to be one player that really dominates the space because we aggregate all the users together. Ultimately, it's a network play, um, and so we want to move quickly. And so, to that end, we're we are in the middle of a capital raise right now. Okay, so in the show notes, if you send me,
1: you know, some some information, so anybody listening to this says, "Hey, I, I want to investigate this." Send me whatever the contact or whatever the vehicle would be for them to um, make a connection with you.
0: Absolutely, that would be fantastic. I mean, the timing is is perfect in many ways because we do have a, a, a larger institutional investor that's coming in that will take most of the round up, but we're reserving some spots for you know, strategic angel investors. We, we really love the idea of having this be dentist-owned. So a lot of our supporters to date have been dentists and we'd love to kind of keep that trend going. So I appreciate that, Dr. Sparrow. You got it. Well, sorry.
1: I mean, this is this is fascinating. I mean, I I know that it's a problem. I, I know it's a real problem. I see it all the time. I, I All you got to do is open up any dental Facebook group that has anything to do with the business part of the time or the actual practice side of dentistry. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, not the clinical... You know, case presentation. These are my implants. This is my overdone. This is my the. You know, not that part, but anybody who's living, breathing in a in a dental practice. Uh, and, and I know corporates have have some serious issues with the same situation: the turnover, mm-hmm. and then the opening and fitting and going in and, and and like we've had to cancel because there's no assistant for the doctor. Mm-hmm. And I know that happens everywhere uh i mean it's a very real thing um one last thing though you do you talked about you know going in the markets let's say like okay i'm a small market area probably mm-hmm. not high in the priority list right to to get into but you can grow into it what would something like that look at like what would that look at for me number one in a small market which is maybe not one of your strong suits and your pricing structure, does it differ from, you said Atlanta, Denver, and and, and Houston are, are big markets for you. The, the subscription, is it the same for your premium prescription, subscription, excuse
0: me? So, so we're definitely focusing on launching kind of the largest metropolitan areas to start. And it, it's kind of like Uber, right? If you try to call an Uber and you live in a very rural area, you're going to have a longer wait than if you were in the heart of New York City. Um, and so there is that there is that dynamic. That said, even in newer markets, we, it, we're we very adaptive in how, how we offer cloud industry in those areas. And so um, it's a premium to premium model. So offices can always create their free accounts and look at no charge. And uh, professionals can create free accounts as well. So there's no friction. So if you're in a rural area where we're not very robust yet, go ahead and create your profile. It doesn't, hurt, it doesn't hurt anything to create your profile, look right. around. There's only two hygienists in our database, but reach out to those too. There's no harm in that. And the good news is that in some markets, it's absolutely free. In, in other markets that we call kind of our frontier markets, which are markets that we're targeting, that are kind of emerging, um, we treat the dental offices that support us in those markets as partners. So we have something called frontier pricing. It's something that we give to the first handful of dental offices. It's, it varies by, by, by city based on the size, but anywhere from 20 to 50 offices might get be eligible for frontier pricing. And you get to lock in a $10 per month subscription rate for life. And that's basically our way of saying, thank you. Like <laughs> you're going to get to do, handle have all your staffing needs handled at $10 per month for life. Uh, whereas the retail rates more like a hundred. So you're, you know, you have 90% cost savings as a result of just helping us get one of those early markets off the ground. Well,
1: I mean, you know, Hey, hundred dollars a month, you fill one half a day and more than pays for
0: itself and what you've yeah, lost. I mean, the average, the average dental office, um, pre-cloud industry was spending about $10,000 annually on recruiting costs. Um, at $100 per month, you know, we're about 90% more cost-effective. You don't even want to know what we spent looking for Indeed for hires. And stuff. <laughs> I'm sure. And Indeed's gotten, they, they've raised their prices a lot recently. So it's gone, sure. bad. gone bad.
1: Yeah, and, and Indeed, anybody that's worked with them knows, listen, and this is not a bashing thing, but, you know, if I have 15 people, that we've spoken to, we've made arrangements for an interview, I'd be lucky three actually show up. True, true. And these are people we've actually spoken to. It's not just, you know, send a text or an email, you know? Right, right. All right, well, fascinating. Uh, You put all that information, please. So if anybody wants to get involved in investing, um, we will uh, be able to put those two together. Cloud Dentistry, and it's your website, clouddentistry.com,
0: I'm guessing. Yep, cloudinition.com. That's it. You got it. See, I'm a sharp guy. See that? Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right. So I got to ask you one last question. I ask everybody's first trip here. If you could go back in time anywhere, time or place with anyone Mm -hmm. to do anything, where would you go? Who would you go? What would you do? Just give me a little bit about what would you want to experience?
0: Back in in time within within my own life? Or I can go back? You can go back to... You can go back to when they built the pyramids. Okay. And I can Where bring dinosaurs were running around, whatever you want. I go back by myself. I can I bring a friend or my brother or something with me Yeah, go back. Yeah. Oh, first thing that pops in your head. That's always the coolest thing. I mean, I, I think dinosaurs. I want, want to see like living, breathing, walking dinosaurs with my brother. Like he and I, I remember we played dinosaur toys all the time. So I'd say let's go back to the Jurassic area. Let's we'll bring some equipment with us. Make sure we survive. But <laughs> I think that would be a fascinating adventure to take. Did you grow up? Did you watch any of the Land Before Time?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, oh my goodness, my yeah. son! I yeah. raised my kids on the Three Horn. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, classic cartoon. So what's your
0: favorite dinosaur? Then I got to ask you that now. Sorry. Uh, I mean, it, it's probably it, it's very basic, but T Rex. I mean. Right. That was always my go-to toy. Whenever my brother and I were playing with toys, I, I, I tried to grab the T-Rex. There you go, folks. T-Rex with a hell of a lot of intellect right here.
1: <laughs> All right, Trey, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. If folks want to reach out, clouddentistry.com. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. This is a great solution
0: to a massive problem. Dr. Sparrow, it's a real pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome.
2: Thanks for listening to the Fee-for-Service Dentist podcast. If you would like to share your fee-for-service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our Fee-for-Service Dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.